Welcome into another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. We are recording on a Wednesday evening, March Madness. You could argue Brentley is already underway with the first four play-ins, and I can assure you it's 737 Eastern now at 910. Rutgers, Rutgers. and Notre Dame, baby. <laughs> Rutgers and Notre Dame. Scarlet Knights, I'm riding. We'll get to some March Madness picks a little bit later, but we'll talk about that. Derek Radley, head women's golf coach at Oregon, joins us. They're number two in the country on the women's rankings. They have one again. We want to really get an in-depth conversation with Derek about what he is building out there in Eugene, Oregon. We have some updates on a couple of men's events. And tragically, if you are in the college golf world, or to be honest, on Twitter today, the horrific accident that affected an entire men's golf team, women's golf team, university. Brentley, I know you've done a deep dive on that. We're going to wait till the end of the podcast because it's so emotional. I I think it merits that conversation at the end uh, and we'll sort of leave it there for the time being. Um, But it is March and there are a lot of good things going on about college golf right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously a tough day. I mean, no one likes waking up and, and seeing that news. And, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but do you want to just mention, you know, ju- you, you're kind of seeing how great the college golf community is. I mean, there's a GoFundMe out. Um, would recommend people um, go on golfchannel.com, go on Twitter. Uh, Any Given Tuesday started that. Uh, and so you can donate and try to help out uh, whoever you can. And, um, but, but yeah, we'll... We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. And, uh, you know, it's it's just great to be on uh, again, Burko, and just kind of you know, be able to talk about some, you know, college golf and, uh, you know, hopefully try to try to end this day on a better note because it, it's, it's been pretty tough so far. No, no doubt about it. You bring up a good point of the college golf community rallying for the folks uh, that dearly need it right now. And of course, College Golf Talk brought to you by Velocity Global. Velocity Global seamlessly connecting employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. It's global work platform built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. We know now in 2022, the world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. And more than 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. They rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. That is what Velocity Global does as they accelerate the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf. And with that, I want to welcome in Derek Radley, the head coach of the Oregon Ducks, the second ranked women's program in the country. Back-to-back wins, three on the season, four in the last calendar year. Derek, always good to catch up. What's in the water in Eugene, Oregon right now that Maybe at number two in the country, you could say flying under the radar because your brethren from the Pac-12 as well seemingly gets all the headlines. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Whatever's in the water, I hope we keep drinking it for the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's certainly been a lot of fun uh, in building this program. 
this is my fourth uh, season here. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. It, it's obviously been a, I think a place here in Eugene that you can win at, um, and the university of Oregon has proven by our men's program in 2016 with Casey Martin, uh, leading that group and, uh, love picking his brain and learning from him. And, and, uh, thankfully to hopefully be following in his footsteps. You certainly didn't inherit a program with a cupboard being bare. It was in a very nice position, but when you look back at it now, what did you arrive to find and what did you look to change to sort of make it your own dynamic? Yeah, great question. I, you know, first and foremost, I think was finding an assistant coach um, that really uh, filled my void, so to speak, and, and uh, could help grow this thing and what I envisioned for it and, and uh, beyond thankful to have found that in Monica Vaughn you know, a former champion herself, um, born and raised here in Oregon. And, and when we, we came in, um, you know, there was already a lot of talent in this program and uh, forever thankful for the senior leadership that we had on that team and Petra Salco, Kathleen Scavo that first year. And from then on, we just looked for, uh, for some future talent and recruits. I think that really fit our vision um, with work ethic and more importantly, being good people. And uh, that first recruiting class was, was really exciting. We brought three of our own in here with Sophie Kibsgaard-Nielsen from Denmark, Chinsu Chen from Taiwan, and Brianna Chacon from Southern California. And they made a huge impact on this program right away. How surprised are you, taking nothing away from the talent you have and your ability as a head coach, but that you've gotten to this point as quickly as you have? I opened the show saying you're number two in the country. You are a legitimate threat to win a national title. Where did that fit into your three, five, ten-year vision up in Oregon? You know, I, I think, Berko, I think that that was always the goal. Um, you hope to get there, and and uh, and you push the athletes, and they push us as a coaching staff, and and uh, you know, but certainly to to be four years in and be here already, um, I'm just so thankful for all the support that we have here at the university of Oregon and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, it, it's, a, it's still a little bit of a shock. I would say, I, I mean, to be honest with you, coach Monica and I, we kind of sit back and think that, but at the same time, you know, watching, watching these young women play golf right now, man, they they can compete with anybody in the country. And I, you know, we've been talking about that all year and it's just so fun to see them really elevate their confidence to be able to do that. Now, Derek, you guys just won a pretty big event in the North Rock uh, Grumman Regional Challenge, beat Wake Forest, uh, who Berko and I had tabbed as maybe the team to beat, not named Stanford. You guys beat the Demon Deacons by seven shots, five players in the top 12. was actually looking through your team's uh, stats this season, and it seems like ever since the, cal or the calendar turned and you guys hit 2022, it seems like all five of your players have really stepped up their game results wise. Can you kind of, you know, take us behind the curtain and, and maybe explain why all of your players have, have stepped it up a few notches these past couple months? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I think first and foremost, I want to, I want to give credit to, to them because they've put the work in um, coach Monica and I just try to feed them every day with confidence. And this past fall, you know, our senior Zahan Lin and her English name is Heather. She, 
she really led the team with a 71.67 scoring average. And I think to have senior leadership right off the bat in the fall season do that and set the expectations of what this year needs to look like. And then the other four really followed suit. But, you know, I mean, two out of the five have been All-Americans for us. Sophie Kibsgard nielsen and Brianna Chacon. Um, Heather Lynn, as I stated, our senior, she won her freshman year. Shin Yu Lu, our, our sophomore, she's currently ranked 35th in the world. And she shot 17 under in, in that opening tournament in the fall season at, at Vanderbilt, won the tournament individually um, and set an Oregon program record here. And then lastly, Chin Su Chen, our, our junior, I mean, she's, she's just our steady Eddie. And so, I, you know, these five, they all played together last year. And we finished 11th at the national championship at Greyhawk and missed match play by two shots. That was the first time that any of them had ever played in the national championship. And Coach Monica and I relayed uh, to them the, the information and messages as, as to what it would be like, but you really don't know that feeling until you're there. And to get all five of them back, I know they feel like they're experienced. They know each other. They can push each other. And uh, I think you're seeing the results firsthand from, from that. Yeah, I, I've told people before, I think Cynthia Liu might be one of the most underrated stars in college golf. But I want to talk about Brianna Chacon for a second because she's, she's going to be playing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur next week. Uh, I believe, as, as, you, as we were talking before the show, first Oregon Duck in history to play in that event. Is that right? It is. I'm so excited, Brentley. She, uh, when she got that invitation, that was always kind of a personal goal of mine was to get a, a duck in that prestigious event. And, uh, and for her to get that invitation, I was so excited. She called me right away and told me, and then she actually asked me and I'm beyond honored. Uh, and I'm going to caddy for her in the there tournament. We go. <laughs> so I get to throw, throw the white jumpsuit on. I hope they can find one long enough and tall enough for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm so excited. Her mom and dad are coming and, uh, they actually offered my dad to have, have a ticket to come down as well. So, uh, that's going to be a re really special week for all representing the University of Oregon. Now, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Brentley and I have been spoiled the last couple of go-arounds. Uh, it is amazing what Augusta National Golf Club is doing, continuing to grow the game and to see the very best female amateurs on display that Saturday at Augusta. Um, I want you there. I want you one of those 30 to, to get a tee time. So, Caddy hard. Let's not get any bad numbers uh, <laughs> to your, uh, your your player that week. You talk about Coach Monica. You sort of touched on it. For those maybe not in the know, Monica Vaughn, an NCAA individual champ, Arizona State 2017, Rich Harvest Farms, really had no desire or love to pursue it at the next level. Players win championships, make coaches look good. Coaches put them in the right position to players uh, in order for them to look good. But what kind of impact has she had on your team, Derek, to find a 20-something as talented as she is that, quite honestly, can probably be any one of your gals on any given day? And you can't say that about a lot of coaches in the country. <laughs> I am forever grateful to have Monica Vaughn, as we refer to her as Coach Mo, uh, by my side. She's literally, I've said, I've said this before, I'll say it again, she's, she's a living superhero uh, to all these ladies on our team. She, the accomplishments she had in amateur golf um, is what they aspire to do. 
And to have somebody with her knowledge, with her confidence, with her competitiveness, with her loving nature and her care for team sports um, is really unheard of. And so I think she's the best in the country as far as assistant coaches go. And I'm so excited for her to be a part of this program. And I tell her all the time, I couldn't do it without her. Now, uh, Derek, I, I saw on, on Twitter maybe a couple of weeks ago, you guys got a practice facility coming. Uh, Peter Jacobson, uh, you know, may have, you know, maybe behind it. Just kind of, you know, maybe give us the recruiting pitch that, uh, you know, you're going to be given, you know, junior golfers over the next however many years and uh, maybe take us inside the plans for that. Well, as far as the recruiting pitch goes, Brentley, you know, it never really rains here in Oregon, so we really didn't need it, uh, but we're <laughs> excited, <laughs> we're oh, excited to have it. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, we're, we're so thankful. Um, you know, I think it's been a dream of Casey Martins for a long time, as I think he's been here now, the head men's coach, for, for 15 years. And, you know, this is our fourth season here. And, and so – um, yeah, just really excited. The folks at Emerald Valley uh, Golf Club came to us. And uh, so we have the space. We want you to have it and build whatever you need. And so um, we got together as a staff um, and, and decided that there's no other name that, that could represent golf and what we stand for and, and Oregon Ducks uh, uh, more so than Peter Jacobson and his wife, Jan. And so we're going to call it the Jake. Uh, we're really excited to, I would say, have it match the look of all of our other top facilities here at the University of Oregon, which we're very thankful to have. Um, and uh, can't wait to, to start rolling it out with pictures and videos and hoping to break ground sometime soon this, this upcoming spring. So I know our athletes are excited. Us coaches are, are very excited and, uh, and can't wait to get it going. How many ping pong tables do you have? The we got, we, you know, we were thinking one, but I think we might need a few more. <laughs> oh, you, you got to have more than one. You got to okay. have more than one. Okay. <laughs> Two, maybe three, four. We'll get That's it. Perfect. That, that, yeah. that may be not enough either. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, we're excited. I've got, oh gosh, 14, 16 hours to do it. And for a purely fun perspective, who do you have maybe making a run in March Madness? Give me a couple of teams at least going to the final four that uh, you have your eye on, Derek. And You know, I was looking at it. I mean, I think it's hard to turn down Duke this year with it being Coach K's last year. I mean, and, and the rallying that they could do behind him. I think they're, what, a two seed? Yeah. Um, you know, I know they just took that tough loss in North Carolina towards the end of the season there, but man, they can rally. So I, I'm, I'm thinking there, and I'll tell you, a fellow Pac-12 school who I used to coach at is really long and, and really talented this year is Arizona. And Boy, really young. Team, uh, and really young. They got uh, uh, a really, really good good team there. So I'm excited to see uh, to see it. March is, is always one of my favorite times of the year as we get into postseason, you know, moving forward into April and May for, for us and for golf. So uh, I feel like this is the kickoff to, to championship season for us. Love that thinking. We'll keep an eye on the Wildcats. I think you could be keyed in there. But more importantly, uh, Derek, always appreciate you taking some time out for, uh, for Brentley and myself. Congrats to the ladies. Keep it rolling along. We'll see you at Augusta in a couple of weeks and then look forward to seeing the entire team at Greyhawk in just two months' time.
Look forward to it. Thanks so much, guys. Go Ducks. You got it, Derek Radley, the head coach, women's golf team at Oregon. And let me tell you, Bradley, uh, we may have been missing the boat with them. You know, they're really good. I don't think we've overlooked them. But when you start seeing what they're doing week in, week out, um, watch out. Watch out for the Ducks. He's done a hell of a job there in four years. Yeah, and I, 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 I almost reported him. Uh, I, I, I knocked him off our, our recording, Burko, and it said, would you like to report Coach D? And I was like, no, no, no. So sorry about <laughs> that. <laughs> but I think we're good. So, so hopefully, uh, you know, if he can come back on this podcast and our technology does not ban him for, for life. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. What was your question, Burko? <laughs> Uh, we maybe have overlooked them. I mean, you look at it. Oregon yeah. wins by yeah. seven over Wake, by 16 over Virginia. That was a stout field. That golf course every year is a challenge. And they sort of high-fived everyone around for a little bit of a victory lap. They're good. Yeah, they're they're well-balanced. I mean, I, I was talking earlier uh, to him, and, you know, we asked him about, you know, kind of how all of his players, you know, all starting five have really taken off this spring. and that's kind of what you like to see. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of balance. I mean, I know that a lot of the national champions in the past have had, you know, the stars, but I, I think they have it all. I mean, like I said, I, I think Cynthia Liu is one of the best players in the country that doesn't get talked about. Uh, Brianna Chacon obviously has a lot of experience and just one through five, just very solid and, you know, great coaching, um, just, you know, a, a great mentor that Derek has and Casey Martin, who knows how to win tournaments. And yeah, I mean, this is a team that, as you said, was, was building under Rhea Scott. And now they've just taken, you know, three or four more steps and they're definitely dangerous. They're definitely worthy of being number two in the country. Um, I guess maybe we got to put them ahead of wake now. I mean, they beat wake by seven shots. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe they should be, uh, you know, 2A instead of 3 or 4. Yeah, certainly another name to keep an eye on over the next six to eight weeks heading into regionals and nationals. Quickly over on the men's side, Louisiana Classics, A&M, Texas A&M, that is, 47 under, 12 clear of LSU. Sam Bennett, believe it was 18 under par on his way to victory. And I want to see Sam Bennett step up and, you know, not validate that top five ranking in PGA Tour U, but sort of let everyone else know that that he can play some golf. He's pretty good. Yeah, there's obviously the the murmurs going around that he may decide to come back for an extra year, which you know would would kind of be unprecedented in that. I mean, he is in that top five com comfortably in that top five in PGA Tour U, and um, you know, granted, he'd be giving up that great year that he had last season. Um, but heck, if, if he keeps winning tournaments, um, it, it may not matter. Um, you know, he may get to come back and still have a pretty good, you know, year one of two uh, to rely on in the rankings. Uh, caught up with him a little bit when he was at the API. Of course, he's had a couple of PGA Tour starts. And I really think, it, I mean, I, I guess it's not really understated, but I do think that's going to help him moving forward. And, and we're already seeing, that and um, you know just going back to that that women's event real quick at Palos Verdes we forgot to mention that Rachel Keene is going to get her first professional start on the LPGA 
for winning that event. Um, she's going to be in the next month's JTBC championship at the same course, Palos Verdes golf club. Um, so that's good, but yeah, back to Bennett, um, you know, just, just getting those reps playing against the best players in the world. And maybe for a kid who is from Madisonville, Texas, who, you know, probably, you know, maybe didn't believe in himself as much as maybe he should have early on in his career. And now being able to see his game and how it translates to the highest level against the best players in the world, that's only going to help him. And so it's good to see him in, in the Aggies, uh, you know, kind of safely and, and comfortably take care of business in Louisiana. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, kind of how they perform as, as their, their spring gets going and as they get into the SEC championship. Another solid one, General uh, General Hackler Championship, that is. Uh, Auburn, three clear of South Carolina. Nice bounce back by the Tigers. East Tennessee State, third. But maybe the most glaring thing, Oklahoma State, fourth, 10 shots back. Food for thought at this point of the season uh, for the Cowboys. Yeah, great great course, too, that that tournament's at. The uh, Dunes Club and Myrtle Beach, um, yeah, just a, kind of a kind of a sneaky tournament there. I mean, maybe a tournament that doesn't get a lot of love, but um, probably should get more attention. And solid field, uh, Coastal Carolina hosts that event. And yeah, a, a little head scratching to see Oklahoma State finishing fourth. I mean, I, I know it's kind of a different area of the country than where they normally normally play. And um, was actually talking to Alan Bratton a few days ago before they left there, and. Um, they actually brought almost the whole team um, out and the, the other players who weren't playing in the general hackler were playing a nearby event as an individual. Um, so they're just getting reps and this team is so deep that I'm not really worried about it because at the end of the day, Oklahoma state's going to have five guys playing really well by the time they get to Greyhawk. I mean, they're going to have their pick of the litter. Um, it's worth pointing out that the player who won the tournament, Rasmus near near Peterson was playing as an individual. Um, and so that's always really positive. So they'll, they'll figure it out. Not too concerned. I know that, that coach Bratton may not be as concerned about his team right now as he is about the first pitch that he's going to throw next week at the Augusta green jackets game, him and Ryan hall from South Carolina are, are apparently, um, because they're in town to play the Haskins Augusta invitational. They're going to be at the green jackets game Thursday night, throwing out two first pitches, um, I don't know if you've ever thrown a first pitch before, Burko, uh, maybe for the, you know, the Gators home home opener, but it's got to be nerve wracking. So I, I was, I was asking him if he was nervous and he said, he just hopes that he can at least one bounce it there. Well, he better not one bounce it. It better make it on the fly. And I'm not talking into the screen behind home plate. I've never <laughs> had, I've never had the good fortune, but when you goof around and throw a baseball, go 60 feet, six inches on that bump and try to hit it, that catcher's glove. Um, I hope Alan uh, spends about a half hour to make sure he can get that uh, <laughs> get that right. But uh, the Cowboys, certainly one of the teams we will continue to monitor uh, heading into the postseason. Sadly, as I told Derek Radley, haven't even filled the bracket out, so I'm sort of looking at things now. Uh, so I mean, uh, if, if names are popping out to you, fire away while I sort of mentally peruse who could make a run, because we know it, Brentley, there are going to be probably one, two, three double digit seeds that make it to the second week that yeah. there's no way in the world you would have ever picked. 
but that's what happens. And I got to disagree with Derek as much as I like Duke, the way they finished against North Carolina, the way Virginia tech beat them in the, the league uh, championship final, the tournament ACC, uh, they could lose in the second game to Michigan state. Yeah. I mean, Actually, I, I don't even have Michigan State winning. I, I think Davidson is a sneaky team. They got one of the best offenses in the country. They beat Alabama this year. Um, yeah, they. I, I have Davidson beating Duke. And I think even if Duke gets past the first weekend, they got a Texas Tech team that plays some great defense as well. And then if they, they even get past Texas Tech, they got to beat Gonzaga. So I don't like Duke's chances. Um, I have a feeling Derek's maybe a big Coach K fan. Um, so that's probably why he's going with them. So I, I, I honestly, out of that region, I, I like Gonzaga. I mean, I think you got to go just looking at the metrics and how well they play offense, how well they play defense, you know, kind of having just the perfect recipe with, with Drew Timmy as the experienced leader and Chet Holmgren, the, the superstar freshman, but you're, you're saying what, what about every year there's always a few double digit seeds that make it to that second weekend. Here's a few teams that I kind of am toying around with right now in the several brackets that I'm probably going to do between now <laughs> and, and, and noon on Thursday. Uh, really like Virginia tech, uh, the 11 seed, just the way that they played at the end of the year. I think they're one of the hottest teams in the country. Um, of course I had Davidson in that second weekend upsetting Duke. Um, and then I have Colgate, 14th seed. I think that area of the bracket, and my wife will probably not like this, but it's probably the weakest, you know, eighth of the bracket. And we're talking about Auburn at, at the two seed, Wisconsin at three, who I think they're vastly overseeded. You got LSU at six, who, you know, great team, but they don't have a coach. Um, Iowa State probably shouldn't be in the tournament at, as an 11th seed. So I think you know, Colgate, this is a fun team to watch, too. They make a ton of threes. They can get really hot. They can put 100 on you in no time. I just feel like maybe that's the surprise. And so I don't think a lot of people are going to go with them. I think a lot of people are going to be on South Dakota State. Um, but I I really like um, really like Colgate. No, I like it. Again, I'm looking at it all in on Rutgers tonight. I'm biased. Love this. I think Rutgers Knights. could beat Bama. I think they absolutely I, I, could. I, I do too. Let's let let's get by the Irish first, and then <laughs> certainly as uh, Kate, uh, my better half, as a Michigan Wolverine. When Michigan plays well, they're really good. I just don't know which Michigan will decide but, to show up. And and by the way, go back to Rutgers. Only team in the country this year that beat four straight ranked opponents. Four straight wins all ranked opponents, only team in the country to do that. Maybe that wow. might've changed at conference championship time. Uh, if somebody made that run. Uh, so there's potential Michigan. I'm not sure about keep an eye on UAB. Yeah. As a like 12 UAB. seed. I think uh, Houston's under though. I think Houston should be a three seed and there are five. Could, so that's tough. It could be, could be, uh, keep an eye on UConn. Danny Hurley has done a heck of a job. They might be a year away but they're a five seed that could make some noise um, going down to the bottom half of this bracket. And you, 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 you got Colgate there. Uh, I see that. I see that. Uh, everyone's bullish on Providence. Intrigued to see just how really? good they are. Yeah. They're playing South well, Dakota State, though. That's a tough, it, that's it a is. tough draw. Yeah, I mean, and we sit there in Iowa. 
from what I saw late in the Big Ten championship, they are that one team in that league that seemingly shows up. They might not always win, but we've seen Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, you know, all these teams seemingly take a night off. And then you sit here and say, geez, that wasn't the same team. Iowa doesn't seem to do that. Uh, Couldn't tell you who's going to win it all. As much as I'm not a Kentucky fan, I think Calipari has a nice blend of the kids and some transfers and um, yeah, I they're, they're older than, than they normally yes, are. I mean, normally exactly. we're talking about a team with five freshmen. I mean, this is a, this is an experienced team. Uh, and I'm going to continue to ride sister Jean and Loyola, Chicago. Yeah, of course. They're going yeah, to beat the Buckeyes and they're going to beat Villanova. How about that? I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, mention Tennessee for, uh, you know, for our colleague, Brent Packard. I mean, he's been, he's been tooting the, the Vols horn for the last few days, maybe complaining about the seating. I think that could be a distraction for Tennessee. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're a two or a three seed, you still got to win six games. Yeah. So I would love Michigan to play Tennessee in the second game. If that I, happens, I think that's possible. I think Colorado state's a pretty good team too, but uh, Michigan's favored. I think that might be the one of the few times that an 11 seed is favored over the six seed. It, it's criminal that Michigan is an 11 seed in Indianapolis. Criminal. But if you're a Wolverine <laughs> fan, you absolutely love it. Uh, I have no clue who's going to win. Um, Me either. The, Zag, uh, the Zags will find a way not to win. Uh, I think Derek was right on Arizona. Uh, the yeah. few games I have seen them play. Uh, awfully good, awfully impressive, uh, but it's why we love it. It's the fun time to watch it. So fill out your brackets again. We're doing this on a Wednesday night. So you've got about 16 hours before it gets going with Michigan. So Michigan's either going to be the first team to win or lose in the actual 64 teams moving on past the first four. Um, we've had some fun. We talked to Derek Radley. We talked men's and women's college golf. Uh, and as we sort of alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, and, and we're not going to go too deep, um, but I think everyone this morning at some point saw Twitter, started clicking, and then realized that the University of the Southwest men's and women's golf team last night, 8.17 p.m., just outside of Andrews, Texas, was involved in an accident with the van carrying those two teams, ultimately nine people lost their lives, six student athletes and their coach. And Brentley, I know you were on the phones reaching out to people. Uh, what else have you learned uh, about such a, a senseless, devastating tragedy that has affected the college golf world? Yeah, it's, it's just a heartbreaking thing. was actually able uh, to talk to Walt Williams, who is the head coach at Midland College, who was hosting the tournament. And they actually, you know, a lot of people didn't know this. Um, they thought they were, you know, going home after the event was over. They actually played a 36-hole day on, on Tuesday. And the, the women's team, um, they brought them along, four members from the women's team, um, because with a lot of these small schools, Burko, um, there's not a lot of opportunities to play. And so anytime you can, you know, if a coach coaches both the men's and women's team, they'll, they'll play, they'll do a little women's tournament. Um, at the same time, at the same course. And so the women played 18 holes, the men played 36 holes. And then coach Tyler James and 
eight of his players uh, were driving home to campus. They were commuting each day to this tournament. They were set to drive the 101 miles back to Hobbs, New Mexico, about an hour and a half trip, wake up early Wednesday morning, drive back and play the final round. Um, you know, just, just heartbreaking that, you know, that's the, that's the state that a lot of these mid, you know, these small schools, these mid-major programs, I mean, that's, they're in. I mean, frankly, there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of funding. And it's, it's just tragic that that was, was the case. But, um, but yeah, you know, so on about 45 minutes into their trip, about halfway home, um, head, head on collision on a two lane road. And unfortunately all but two, two people lost their lives. So, um, just a super sad thing. Uh, you know, coach Williams w- was telling me that he actually saw them in the parking lot, uh, Tuesday night and, you know, said, you know, drive safe, see you tomorrow. Um, and then of course the next day, the teams found themselves in the parking lot praying and, and, and grieving together. Um, they canceled the final round, um, which, which was the right thing to do. Um, and just super, super sad. Also got a chance to talk to Chris Hill, um, who a lot of people may remember, um, as an assistant, uh, at Houston, um, of course had some head coaching positions at Pacific and, uh, St. Edwards and Concordia actually knew Tyler James, uh, pretty well. He was actually his mentor called Tyler, his, uh, his little brother and, and Tyler, played college golf, uh, not, not too long ago. Um, you know, played, uh, played at a small school, um, at Howard Payne university, which is in Brownwood, Texas. Um, just, you know, solid player, but really wanted to get into coaching. And so he picked Chris's brain. Chris helped him get a graduate assistant job at East Texas Baptist. Um, you know, Tyler spent some time back at Howard Payne as an assistant, then went and coached some high school golf for uh, a year at Brownwood High and, you know, had his first head coaching gig. I mean, we talk about how tough it is to break into coaching and you really got to take every opportunity you can. And, and Coach Hill, you know, just talked about how just eager and how, you know, just excited Tyler was to, to be a college golf head coach. And he actually said he texted him yesterday between rounds and was asking him how he could help one of his players fix his swing, you know, between rounds because the player was, was pulling everything. And um, he was just looking for any way to try to help his players. And I'm um, just a very selfless person. And, and uh, you know, at, at 26 years old, definitely way way too young and you know at the same time you know talk about six student athletes and two people in the other car including a 13 year old um just sad all the way around um you know and it's it's just it's it's heartbreaking it's i mean it's every one of those words and you just can't imagine it and um as we talked about before there is a gofundme page out so i would um, encourage everyone to go check that out maybe try to help any any way you can and um you know, hopefully a lot of good comes out of this. Right. I mean, I've had a couple other coaches just call and talk about how the, the van rides that that's every coach's biggest fear. I mean, Berko, you've been around the sport forever. I mean, getting in a 15 passenger van after a long few days at a golf tournament and driving home four or five, six hours in the middle of the night. I mean, that that's, that's scary. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and uh, you know, it's no wonder that a lot of coaches that's, you know, kind of always in the back of their mind. Like, how do I, how do I make sure I get these kids 
back home safely. And, um, you know, it, it, it just sucks. It does. Um, there's honestly not a lot much more that I can add, but you hit on a point, Brentley, if you're a yeah, small sorry school. There, Berko, I went kind no, of long. no, no, it, 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 no, no. Hey, you, you did a lot of research, a lot of great reporting. This was your opportunity uh, to go beyond the, you know, articles we're just seeing uh, online, but, but every point of every season, every team is in a van going somewhere. It could be a tournament 50 miles up the road. It could be, Hey, we're taking a road trip to get to play course X, Y, Z two hours from here. It, it, it's everywhere. And it's unfathomable to think this is what happened. You talked about the GoFundMe page. Uh, we certainly uh, encourage people to do that. And quite simply, our thoughts are with everyone impacted in New Mexico, in Texas, everyone that was lost. Um, don't know what else to say other than our thoughts and prayers are with everyone that has been uh, affected by the tragedy and the college golf world is here for them in any way, shape or form we possibly can, but, We'll leave it at that. Great job uh, finding out a little more detail and, and talking to some people that knew uh, these individuals so very well. So, again, our thanks to Derek Radley, head coach, women's team at Oregon, for joining us. Our thanks to you for listening to College, uh, college Golf Talk uh, this week as well. For Brentley, I'm Burko. We'll do it again next week.